In the name of God, the creator, liberator, and sustainer of the universe. Amen. We have come to the third Mass of Christmas, the children's pageant that we normally see in the first Eucharist is over. The contemplative spirit that is so present in the Midnight Mass is now a memory. And at the third Mass of Christmas, the third Eucharist, our Gospel is not a nativity scene. This is not the Christmas card Mass. We are given at the third Mass of Christmas, the third Eucharist, the prologue to John's Gospel. And we are given the prologue to John's Gospel because John's concern is that John wants you to know John wants you to know the meaning of the birth of the child. John wants you to know what the coming of Jesus into our world means. The prologue begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God continues by saying, and everything that came into being was created through the Word. The prologue ends by John saying, and the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we beheld the glory of God as of the glory of an only Son full of grace and truth. Now, between the beginning and the end, John tells us that the Word was life itself, and that this life is a great light, a light that can lighten our pathway, that shows us the way we should go. John also tells us that the coming of this light, this new life into the world, was announced by John the Baptist. Then John tells us that we have the ability to reject life. We have the capability to reject light. But he says, we also, as human beings, have the capability to receive new life and this light. And when we do that, when we open ourselves to the breaking in of God into our history, we become, we become authentic children of God, children of God. 
What John is doing is telling us something not so much really about Jesus, although he tells us quite a bit about Jesus, but he's telling us something that is critically important about God, which we get wrong almost all the time. God is passionately in love with humanity. God is passionately in love with humanity. And God wants you to know that on a regular, moment-to-moment, daily basis, God longs to be in touch with you. God longs to be with you so that you may see the light and be the light. You know, the book of Genesis tells us that the human being was created in the image and likeness of God. And most of the time, we don't believe that. We don't think of ourselves as being in the image and likeness of God. Jesus is born into our world. The Word became flesh so that we might see that Jesus is our brother. Jesus is our brother. We are children of God. We are created in the image and likeness of God. And God longs for us to become more God-like. And the way you become more God-like is you become more human. The way you become more godlike, you become more fully, authentically human. You live into the image in which you were created. In John's Gospel, the child is born so that we all may become more authentically children of God. The child is born so that we may more authentically become children of God. It's true in our own lives too, isn't it? That so often when a child is born to us, we become more godlike. We become more caring. We become more giving. We realize the value and beauty and wonder of life. John uses the Greek word in the prologue, logos, which was a very important philosophical world in the world, a philosophical word in the world in which John lived. The word means ultimate reason. The word means that which holds together meaning, which shows us the significance of life. And John said that primary principle, which was with God from the very beginning and is the very nature of God, became flesh. John is not saying that in the incarnation 
God sort of changed his mind and decided to do something new, John is saying that the eternal divine principle has always been in love with humanity and wants us to be fully human. And in Jesus, and in Jesus we are given the light. We are shown how to live. We are shown what the will of God looks like. The most of God that we are ever going to see, we see in Jesus. Gandhi, Mohat Gandhi, once said that the largest group of people who didn't seem to realize that the Sermon on the Mount was a call to nonviolent living were those who were members of the Christian church. Often, the prologue of John is so familiar to us. We've heard it for ages and ages that we miss the central action of the prologue. What John wants you to know above all else is that the movement of God is downward mobility. The movement of God is downward mobility. It's a movement from heaven to earth. It's a movement from a throne to a stable. It is downward mobility. If Gandhi was still alive, he might also be able to say today that perhaps the largest group of people who never got that point were those who belong to the Christian church. In our culture, downward mobility is, normally speaking, the opposite of what we long for. We live in a society which values very highly ambition, aggression, and accumulation. And we value, we value those engaged in upward mobility. If you become very upward, you are very important. If you are downward mobility, not so important. Not so important at all. The gospel has different values. In the gospel, the primary values are loving, serving, and giving. Christmas calls us to the little, little town of Bethlehem. Little town. Not the great big town of Jerusalem. The little town. All throughout the Bible, once we get this point that God is engaged in downward mobility, we begin to see God chose the people of Israel to bear witness to God, and that's what chosen means in the scripture. Not because they were the greatest people in the world, but because they were the weakest 
little. When Israel is to get a king, Jesse brings all his older sons before Samuel the prophet. Look here, look here, look here. Samuel says, no, is it, you have n no more sons? Jesse says, yeah, there's a little, little brother. <laughs> I didn't even ask him to come. He's out taking the sheep. Samuel says, bring him. And the little brother, the one not even invited, is anointed king. Throughout the Bible, blessed are the poor, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. We live today in a world in which, if in the words of the past World Council of Churches meeting in Nairobi, we do not learn to live more simply so that others may simply live. Humanity's future is very bleak. We know, for example, and we see these statistics again and again and again, that if everyone in the world used the, re, the, the resources that cannot be replaced the way we use them, we would use them all up in a matter of a few years. person that I consider the greatest moral leader in the world today, the current Bishop of Rome, Francis, has said, our calling today is we all have to learn to become a little poorer. We all have to learn to become a little poorer so that we may be like the poor teacher Jesus. Christmas calls us to a transformation. It calls us to be a new creation. It calls us to be a people who give up defining ourselves by what we have and begin to value ourselves because we are created in the image and likeness of God who dwells among us and longs for our transformation. Let us pray. Let us pray that this Christmas, as we hear again about the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, let us, in the name of the little one born in a manger, embrace the divine call to downward mobility. Let there be peace among us, and let us never be instruments of our own oppression or anyone else's. Amen.